Hello, listener. Welcome to Switch It. We'll have what they're having. England swept to an unprecedented 3-0 whitewash in Pakistan as the Baz and Ben bandwagon rolled on. It was a case of Karachi chop-chop as victory in the third test was sealed in just over three days. England's second famous win at a ground previously known as Pakistan's fortress. The tourists stormed the ramparts armed only with good vibes and an overwhelming sense of positivity, as well as an inspirational captain and a little magic from an 18-year-old leg spinner on debut. It's a recipe that will keep England fans feeling warm inside throughout the winter. I'm joined by two more winners in Andrew Miller and Vitushan Hantaraja to look back on where it all went right again. Good to see both. Uh, Miller, uh, we don't talk enough about your role in this revolution, but uh, after a landmark series win in one of the tougher parts of the world to tour, do you sense that Baz Ball is beginning to snowball? I do. I, I genuinely do. I mean, it, it is fascinating what um, what other teams will do to respond to this because it's not. It's clearly what we saw this last test was actually quite kind of revealing about about just how important the psychological side of it is. It's not simply a case of just wandering out there and playing hard cricket. It, anyone can do that. You know, we, we as we said all along. You know, it, it's not it's not brand new to the, the idea that people can bat quickly. You know, Brenda Say was doing this years ago. But the idea that an entire team can buy into it, and an entire team can buy into it to such an extent, you end up with a kid aged 18 wandering around as if it's as if he's just playing a club game on his debut for England, taking eight, taking five wickets and getting sent out at number three of all the iconic places to go and bat and told to have a slog. I mean, that's just not possible in an ordinary team. And so the extraordinary part of this is the the hold that. Um, Stokes and McCullum have on the psychological side of, of the way that the team is set up. And that's the thing that's going to be really, really, really difficult for other teams to emulate, I think. I mean, you know, what happens if, you know, you get a couple of guys who don't buy in and just don't play the way the rest of the team wants to, or, or they do buy in and they play too many, too, too many shots too quickly, get a run of low scores and then get dropped. I mean, what does that do to the rest of the team? The, the way in which England have managed to, just keep this, as you say, snowballing in spite of all of the reasons why you might stop and think, mm, hang on, there's, there's reasons around the fringes here that you probably want to sharpen up on. Um, it, it's, a, it's a really tough set of circumstances to, to, um, to try to emulate, in my opinion. Uh, well, uh, we will find out if uh, Zach Crawley can eventually run out of road, I suppose, one day. But... Um... <laughs> Two wins in Pakistan in 61 years, three in three weeks, like London buses uh, driven at top speed with the brake lines cut. Vish, you've been there throughout uh, and you've seen quite a lot of history being made. Yeah, quite a lot of history being made and very little fuss made of it. I think that's part of this team, isn't it? If If they were intimidated by history if they were conforming to how things used to be done they probably wouldn't be doing the things they're doing and in the way that they're doing them um but yeah it's been remarkable you've almost had to remind them of that um case in point when Rehan Ahmed became the youngest uh test cricketer for the men's team um was it since Brian Close or certainly Brian Close was the previous holder of that record Mm -hmm. um when he was leaving his press conference uh Stefan Schemmel of the BBC asked him Oh, do you actually know who Brian Close is? And Ray Hardman, never heard of him in my life. <laughs> I have no idea who that man is. <laughs> Sorry to that man. And I mean, th- there is a lot to be said for that. And I'm not just saying that as someone who does every now and again need to brush up on my own history and, you know, thank God for the internet and, you know, whichever God I need to thank for updating Wikipedia. But there is, but, you know, to be serious, there is a, a fundamental thing at play here that, Things were done a certain way, they didn't work, and now things are being done this way, and they are working. And who knows how long for, but also who cares how long for? As you said, like I've witnessed a lot of history over the last three weeks, and it's come from players who've grown up through a system who've just had the lid taken off. You know, it's almost as none of these players, including Rahan Ahmed, would have come up any differently to how players in the past 10, 20 years might have come through. Obviously, yes, there is the, the law of white ball cricket. There is playing a bit more white ball cricket. There is seeing that as a, in its own 
space as a you know viable career path and thus you know maybe honing your focus honing your game towards that but fundamentally they're just they they don't seem burdened even the most burdened players that we've seen over the last few years notably Joe Root is suddenly you know free Joe Root isn't worried about the fact that he hasn't scored any runs on this trip basically um and that's because he's an all-rounder now well, exactly. Yeah. Even <laughs> so, you know, Joe Root did the press conference when Ben Stokes was too, too ill uh, to do it in Karachi, I think. Yeah, sorry, not Karachi, in uh, in the first place, in, in Ralpindi, and was laughing and joking. And when asked if, oh, you know, if Stokes doesn't make it, will you captain? He said, well, absolutely not. Like, it, <laughs> like he, he could finally admit that he hated being England captain. And like, that is the liberation <laughs> that's happened over the, you know, not just over the last few weeks, but certainly it's been more profound over the last three weeks, certainly. <laughs> Everyone's here for a, a good time rather than a long time, or at least for however long it turns out to be. Um, Miller, on the on the history-making front, uh, you mentioned it, but uh, Rehan Ahmed, is he now officially the Nighthawk? Uh, Stuart Broad didn't didn't ever get to don his cape in, 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 uh, you know, in action. Yeah, I think it was Dave Tickner on Twitter said it's very, it's very England, very basketball England to 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 relaunch the Nighthawk franchise before they've even watched the first movie. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean there he is, there he is. Poor old Broadie, he's got all his t-shirts, and you have to call me the Nighthawk, not anymore, mate. I mean you know, we've had a lot of lot of people, have, a lot of people have been sort of claiming Nighthawk vibes at different times of the summer, and frankly, that it's you know it's been a bit preposterous. You get get someone who's batting. In a bit of a bravado way, the later they oh they're night hawking. No, they're not. Night hawking has to be a very, very specific factor. And this was perfect night hawking. There was, there was a match to be won. It was getting dark. The night was looming. And as they send the number number three, an 18-year-old who's just flushed with flushed with pride from a fifer, and Brendan McCullum taps on the shoulder and says, Oh, off you go, mate. Yeah, knock yourself out. And he, but he nearly did. It was a it was a pre- preposterous inning. But uh, Absolutely, absolutely wonderful just just to be able to say to a kid like that, just just go and have the days of your lives. This is this is the best day of your life. Uh, make it even better. It was very. Uh, um, can I can I jump in here? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple of things in that as well. Um, yeah, as you say about the Nighthawk, it, it feels like it might be um, you know one of those questions down the line, like you know who was the first James Bond, and it turns out it was the guy who did it on radio, not the guy who did it. In the movies, but also the fact that by becoming the Nighthawk, Rehan Ahmed became the second player to take the second spinner to take five wickets and then bat number three in the very next innings after Will Jacks did that a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, uh, well, not so much in the next innings, but certainly, you know, a couple of innings later, it's, um, yeah, just underlines the absurdity of it all. <laughs> I, I was uh, when on comms, I think, trying to work out oh, when was the last time an England spinner took five for on debut, and then remembered it was Will Jacks. Um, <laughs> yeah. The last uh, England leg spinner to do, it, I think, was Adil Rashid um, a few years ago. Although his uh, in the first innings it was a less auspicious, I think, none for a sort of hundred and fifty. Um, this this uh, third test of the series was a, a little bit more orthodox i suppose in some ways a bit more of an arm wrestle vish um this time around uh, pakistan won the toss baba azam uh, got a bit of luck for once they they chose to bat they they got a score on the board although um there's a lot of uh, um sort of um uh, self-inflicted uh, wickets and, and, and batsman era kind of taking uh, playing a role um in their 302 england chiseled out a 50 run lead harry brook scored his third century uh, in as many tests. Um, and then, then the game really blew open and, and we're back to Rehan Ahmed again. But uh, in in that um, Pakistan second innings, they were, uh, they, they just just about sort of righted the ship, having lost uh, quick three w- wickets in the morning to Jack Leach. Um, and then Stokes, for, uh, for whatever reason, had held back Rehan Ahmed through most of that um, third day uh, and, and then chucked the ball to the, uh, to the 18-year-old and, and, you know, uh, magic, magic ensued. Uh, Pakistan lost seven for 52. Uh, England was set 167 to win. And that was pretty much that. Yeah. Yeah. The um, we found out today that it was because the ball was reversing. Um, 
which is fine. You know, it, it's reverse swing is something you learned very well in this um, in this series, even if it hasn't quite had the same effect we usually associate it with. You know, you think you say reverse swing, you think stumps out of the ground, don't you? Um, that hasn't quite come to pass, but it's it's been more leg slip catches than than mm-hmm. anything else. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think the I think what was really interesting was his first spell of his career, that five over spell uh, on the opening day, there was a sense of like, okay, this kid is clearly nervous. And over the next couple of days, I think what was remarkable was that he just grew in confidence from that. And you you think obviously, you know, getting that first ball was quite important. He obviously went over, went on to take those two wickets. Googly was coming out nicely. Um, but, you know, one of, one of the things he, he pointed out himself was that he, you know, he was bowling a few bad balls, but but Ben doesn't care about runs, so it was all good. And there was there's a degree of liberation there that comes from being young anyway, but also coming into this environment and you know I suppose just being totally unperturbed by it all. Because um, I, I don't know, like people have talked about him for you know the best part of a year now, and you were always waiting for something to dim him because that's just the way it goes, really, especially if you're a leg spinner. You know, I think there's been a lot of revisionism around Mason Crane and, and Matt Parkinson in particular, but people were calling for these guys for a long, long time, you know, and, mm. you know, Crane had a bit more success in the white ball. Parky's had a lot of success in the white ball, but they they were all Rehan Ahmed's, in a, you know, a couple of years ago. They were all, you know, exciting talents. And McCullum made a really interesting point at the start of this tour when, you know, we, we asked him if he would pick you know, why is he picked Rehan? But why is he really picked Rehan? I know it's, you know, he's said he would pick it, you know, he'd happily play him and he's good enough. But, you know, if he was good enough, you would have picked him back in October. And he, he made quite a strong point about how, well, you know, what's the alternative? Leave him where he is and let him go the way of everyone else. And so there's clearly quite a protective element here. There's clearly quite an understanding that they need to treat him differently than they've treated other leg spinners in the past. Um, and I'd also say that, they've probably locked out because this kid looks the real deal. I mean, he's so confident. I hope he never stops smiling, but his, the way he thinks, the way he works out left-handers from around the wicket. Um, and the fact that he credits bowling to his brother in the garden as a way of doing it. It's one thing doing it in your garden, but yeah, coming over and doing it in Karachi, mate. Yeah, fine. Easy game. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think as well, um, one of the things that was more noticeable as he got into his spell was he started dictating his own fields one of the, um you know even even someone like Ollie, Ollie Robinson who an accomplished bowler already he Stokes had to say to him look I know you're not used to bowling without slips but I'm going to move the field all the time don't worry about that I'm going to move it tailored to what you're doing and Rahan Ahmed you know in his first test decided to pull rank a couple of times and he was like no actually I, w- I want him here he was the and importantly Rahan Ahmed was the one who brought in uh, the man at catching square leg for Sergio Keel's sweep around the corner because he predicted that's what, what was going to happen. Um, I mean, he's this guy's made. Sorry, this guy, this boy is made of different things, and I thought it was especially sweet that England, when they took their team photo, put him in the middle holding the trophy. Like, <laughs> you know, it's that it's a Australianism, isn't it, to get around him? But they are, you know, literally and figuratively getting around him. They are. There's lots to get around. It reminds me of a young Chris Schofield. No, um, just some of those uh, 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 record-breaking numbers, uh, Miller. He'd already become the youngest uh, men's test debutant. We've mentioned Brian Close. That record is since since 1949. Um, He then became the, well, obviously England's youngest test wicket-taker, he, he surpassed Pat Cummins as the youngest man to take a five foot on debut. Uh, he's the third youngest spinner, uh, just full stop, to take a five wicket haul in tests. Um, I'll give either of you a point if you can name the other two. Um, as as Rob Vish, Christian be one of them. <laughs> oh, uh, he might be on the list, but are you looking for a Bangladeshi and a Kiwi? Oh, really? uh, with some Mehdi Hassan. No, not um, not of such recent vintage. There's a, oh, there's a car- no uh, good, good <laughs> knowledge of Bangladeshi spinners though. 
Um, this is great audio, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you lucky, lucky listeners. Eminem Hack <laughs> Junior. And then, uh, and then the against against Zimbabwe in two thousand four five. I remember that. That's right. Yes, he in fact took three fivers. I think in his first two tests. But uh, and then a bit of a Harry Potter vibe to the other the Kiwi um, uh, candidate. Danny Vittori, that's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, as um, Vish mentioned, the first spell looked a bit nervy, and that's where you thought maybe, ah, well, you know, th- this is in the deep end now. Uh, I think f- uh, five overs for 37. Um, and, you know, there's a, li- a little bit potentially chastening, albeit that, you know, it doesn't really matter what he was going for. England don't care. It was the first day uh, of the test, and he's not expected to win it then. But I mean, as he grew into it, that uh, and that and and the second and, and third spells in particular, uh, where he un- unveiled that uh, the googly that that uh, did for Sal Shaquille, although albeit it did him for the next ball uh, when he got an inside edge, the short leg and, and Ollie Pope plunged underneath it. I mean, that's when we started to get a glimpse of what he could do. Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, it, it's it, the great sadness of all this is that Shane Warne wasn't around to witness it. You know, there he was, Nets yeah. fishing. At Lords in 2017, predicting he was going to be a first-class cricketer at the age of 15, and lo and behold, here he is, a Test cricketer at the age of 18. And the, the one thing that Warren always said was that, that leg spinners need a lot of love. Leg spinners need to be, be looked after by their captains because things will go wrong. They will bowl horrible pies that will get spanked out of the park, but they will also produce magic. And you've got to be able to take the rough with the smooth. And there is no better setup for that. I mean, you know, just your throwaway comment there that. Stokes doesn't care about runs. I mean, he doesn't. But it's such a weird thing to say because no one's ever said that before in a, of, a, of, a, of a scenario in a test, test match. Oh, don't, don't worry about the runs, mate. It's only, it's only runs, <laughs> whatever. Chump change. And so, I mean, you could, not, you could not hope for a better environment for him to do his damnness. And so, as you saw, he grows into his spell. That first spell's out of the way. <clears> then, he, then he gets his first wicket. And then suddenly he gets a, gets the the kingpin with a with an of pie. And by the time he's done that, he's basically in both and reincarnated. It's like you know, long hops were both of them were both of them's kryptonite. You know, they could, he could throw that any Aussie going and 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 do the business. And after that, you know, the way in which he wrapped up that that innings, of, you know, beautiful ball to to Rizwan, the Bakugli to deal with Shaquille, and then rip rip through the tail in the way that spinners have always been expected to do. And now suddenly he just just doing it in the space of what eight balls, I think it was. So it's you know it's it, permission to get excited. I think I think we're allowed to get excited <laughs> about this one because the, the circumstances are right for for him to just to grow. And and it was really interesting as well. Just listening to going back to what you were saying about um, McCollum and his attitude to all this. I mean, this morning he was just basically saying, "Yeah, mate, go off and play the IPL. Go go and uh, go and get experience elsewhere. Just 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 go and be." Be what you need to be. I mean, you know, talking of Bangladeshi spinners breaking breaking records. I mean, I remember Alok Kapali, who I mentioned in passing just then, was one of one of a generation of Bangladeshis who was picked in the early years of their test status because they couldn't not pick them because these kids were going to be their future. They had to had to trust them and throw them in at the deep end of test cricket because their domestic system wasn't good enough for these guys to thrive. And so they threw a whole host of kids, I mean, 18, 19, 20, 21, threw it at, at the game. Some of them stuck, and some of them stuck so well that they ended up being Shakib Hassan, Tammy Mikwell, people, people like that who ended up being the backbone of this team for 10, 20 years. And this is this is the sort of thing that England are in a position to do now with this test team because you know they've got they've got to throw these kids at the wall, so to speak, early, because if they don't throw them early, you know, the, the, the lure of white ball cricket is such that, you know, if they're, if they're interested, they'll do a Will Smead and they'll go off and go off and say, you know what, I'm actually interested in red ball cricket. I'm going to go and tour the world as a franchise player. It's in the interests of this test team and this test format for the best players to want to play it. And that includes the best young players coming through. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing story in its own right for, for him to come through. But it's also actually a really important story for, for English cricket that they make sure that these kids get a taste early and think, you know what, I want to play this format because if they don't, if you, if you leave it, you know, leave it five, five, six years and let a generation drift away and think, you know what, fine, you you go Johnny Bairstow and Joe Root and you crack onto your, your 35, 40, uh, but if you don't bring them through, um, you're going to end up sort of missing missing that transition period. So, you know, it's, so it, it, and again, it comes back to my original point about 
about basketball and the importance of this. It's not just a way of, of playing test cricket that's more more fun and engaging. It's 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 actually a vital way to mitigate the the, the white ball bleed. And so um, yeah, I'm I, once again all for it. Uh, and a way of overcoming the fact uh, the English first class system has become something like Bangladesh is, is what oh, I'm hearing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Vish, another another quiz question for you. Which other precociously talented uh, youngster made their international debut aged 18 and a handful of days uh, in 2005? Coincidentally, just a, a, a few uh, weeks before England's last tour of Pakistan. No, I'll, that's right. I'll give it to you. It's Lionel Messi. Is oh, is <laughs> how many Ballon d'Ors is Rayan Ahmed going to win? And actually, more seriously, is he a leg spinner? Because Ben Stokes didn't seem to know before the start of the uh, test, as opposed to a well, batsman versus all rounder. <laughs> well, it's funny because we used to have this conversation about Ben Stokes, didn't we? And <laughs> uh, Rory Dollard of the Press Association made quite a few point about. <laughs> It was a while ago now, maybe about five years ago, where we, we were kind of thinking of a time after Anderson and Broad and we were looking for potential, you know, who could who could come in and fulfill a role. And, you know, it's just idle pub chat, but he made the point of saying that if you'd have told Ben Stokes to be a number three, he'd been the best number three in the world. And if you told him, actually, you're just going to be a swing bowler, he could have gone on to be you know, one of the best swing bowlers in the world. Um, and it feels like Rehan, Rehan Ahmed potentially has... You know, maybe not the best in in either discipline, but certainly, a, you know, a, a quality operator at international level um, in 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 either discipline. And I suppose the hope is you'll never have to choose. Really, Stokes didn't have to choose. I don't see why Rahan Ahmed would have to choose, especially when he's bowling. You know, well, you know, his bowling skill is is so rare. Not least just the control he was exhibiting so early on, and he's only going to get better at that. We know that leg spinners get better with age. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really know. He said, Rahan Ahmed said he, um, he enjoys batting more, but he, he appreciates his bowling is, is further along. Um, and I think it's one of those things, you know, we always talk about it with Sam Curran, don't we? And, you know, Sam mm. Curran is, what certainly was generally like a generational talent with the bat. We don't, re- we haven't really seen that. Certainly he's had a more profound effect, um, in the games that he's won for England with the ball, but, yeah, I, I just I just don't know because even white ball specialization won't really take that one way or the other, will it? I think they the way they're working around him and the fact that he's in an environment where he he isn't just going to be shoehorned in or you know made to fit a specific role benefits him. Um, you know, I, I know this isn't this isn't quite the same thing, but maybe the example to take here is actually not Red Ahmed, but Will Jacks. You know, Will Jacks only started taking Ospin seriously you know, the start of this summer. By then, Rehan Ahmed was already a leg spinner, having done it for the under-19s. So um, England under-19s at the start of the year. So I suppose he's he's in an environment that will allow him to explore all options, really. And that includes, you know, his coach saying, you know what, go off to the IPL. You'll enjoy it. It's so much fun. You'll <laughs> speak to so many cool people. Um, imagine the B-reels you get in the IPL. He's, he's going he's gonna to have a field day. I do hope he gets picked up. But yeah, I, I think the... Um, the the thing about his batting that you know we saw fleetingly with the the Nighthawk cameo was that I don't know, it just he embodies a lot of this team. Ollie Pope said today on Sky before play that seeing the way Rehan Ahmed plays the game is a reminder of how you used to play in your back garden. Now Ollie Pope isn't 34, yeah. <laughs> Ollie Pope was in his back garden quite recently he's, but, he's an old man compared to Ray and Ahmed yeah well exactly but but that that's basically what this team is about isn't it it's about you know McCollum says it all the time it's about remembering that it's supposed to be fun remembering that you're living a dream and what better way to do that than you know channeling, channeling all that through a kid who is you know he's doing it in real time you know he I just I've just um we're staying at the team hotel here and I've just seen him walk into their little they've got a team area they happen to Typical of England, they co-opted the best bit about the hotel, obviously, which is this sports bar with like pool tables and table tennis tables and a golf simulator that I think they brought from home, which is a bit sad. But, you know, he's walking around like 
every now and again, I think he's going to ask Stokes for an autograph. Like he has that <laughs> kind of look in his eyes, and it's and it's it's wonderful. Um, and I think being in this team, he'll he will have it for a, a long, long time. <laughs> it reminds me of ter- just in terms in terms of what in terms of what he brings. Though, I mean, fundamentally, he can turn his leg break enough, and he can straighten his googly from around the wicket. And I mean, those two weapons in themselves mean he can beat the other side of the bat, and therefore he can have a shelf life, and it helps. It always helps as a spinner if you can bat. I mean, you know, in, in some way, in some ways, you know, we're talking talk about that Will Jacks. I also think think about Don Best in a similar similar vein. He's, he's he's brought a lot of the a lot of the combative capabilities that I saw in Don Best when he made his debut in 2018. Obviously, he's he's had his tough time since. But you know, in terms of in terms of a guy who could come again, and you know. What is he yet? You know, Don Best is a guy who could conceivably come back as a, a, as a very high quality batsman who can who can bowl off spin. So you know, the, the, again, this is the thing about these guys; they are all incredibly young, incredibly malleable, and um, actually very talented as well. So um, yeah, good luck to them all. Yep, armies of uh, uh, of young <laughs> uh, generational talents out there, uh, just like Pokemon springing up. We've got to catch them all. Um, another one of them uh, is Harry Brook Fish, who uh, a player of the series, um, hundred a uh, third hundred of the series in Karachi, um, four hundred sixty eight runs at ninety three, uh, having only played one test prior to this tour. Um, it's it's been a pretty good one for him as well. Yeah, yeah. He, um, I mean, he he can he can be whatever he wants to be. Really, um, we mentioned it. Well, obviously, we mentioned it in the last pod because he scored runs all the way through, so we've had to. But there's a bit of Kevin Peterson there, right down to the confidence of not really celebrating hundreds, even though KP went wild at hundreds, every single one of them. Um, he's yeah, he's got such wonderful confidence and technique as well it feels like it's i mean we know we've seen it it is transferable to the shortest format he doesn't really seem to change much maybe mm-hmm. he changes the you know the weight of his bat although i don't think we saw any evidence of that given how he was smoking sixes <laughs> from balls that weren't really short against spinners you know often to the long side square as well um he, he he's remarkable um to, to the extent that you you kind of you you find yourself inadvertently falling into blasphemy when you say like he might be one of the best talents we've seen out of Yorkshire in a long time <laughs> even though two of the people who've been scoring all the runs for the last couple of years or certainly the last year have been uh, from that county he um I don't know if you remember but during the summer um you know Stokes was always talking about how good he was in the nets and feeling bad about him not getting not being able to get a chance and there was a real sense from everyone that they had to shoehorn him in to the extent that Brooke even said look if you want me to open I'll open I'll do that and it's a great thing that they didn't do that, really, because yeah. evidently, like he, he's so comfortable in the position that he made his own position that he's in uh, with Yorkshire. Um, but also during that summer, you know, he was practicing his offspin. You know, he was he's trying to find different things to master. Evidently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> add him to the list. Sorry, Don Best, there's another one coming through. Um, but he's, I, I don't remember, like. It feels stupid saying this because the statement itself, I think, needs to come from, you know, if Sheil Berry says that I've never seen any anyone like him, then okay, you know that that means something. <laughs> um, but my <laughs> compulsion is to say that because he's he's so undimmed by the bright lights. I, it's just every he makes everything look easy, and yeah, at the same time, you you watch him play shots, <laughs> and you're like, how do you do that? He's he's a contradiction in that kind of way because it seems it comes so naturally to him. I think that maybe that's it. Actually, he's perhaps one of the most natural cricketers I've seen. In I'll terms what, of, sorry. I'll tell you what. The, what tell you what's the, the kind of fascinating about Harry Brook from my perspective was last summer. Obviously, um, he he had that run of form where he was just smoking hundred after hundred after hundred after. I think this score any format was forty one. I mean, that was probably, probably the only time he didn't he didn't reach a hundred. It was it was an incredible run of form, but in my mind's eye, because bear in mind, obviously, I wasn't wasn't watching Yorkshire at that stage, it wasn't tuning into the live stream religiously, so I hadn't seen very much of him. And in my mind's eye, I was thinking, well, Harry Brook, Harry Brook, Joe Root, same same sort of same sort of name, same sort of county, probably same sort of player. And I was thinking, okay, well, he's in a he's in a hot run of form, but you know, he's bound to have a drop off at some stage. And then finally, see him and think, that's not what I thought a Harry Brook would look like. He's 
he's huge. <laughs> he's, got, he, he's absolutely huge. He's 21 or whatever he is, 22 now. He's enormous and he scores runs like they, they will never go out of fashion. They think, oh my God, there there is there is more to this story than than just the guy in a hot runner form. This is a guy who's in a who's in such a such a dominant position physically, technically, temperamentally, and age wise as well. Um, but yeah, again, the second time in the pod, there's a very good reason to get very, very excited. Yeah, and then there's also the sense that he learns very quickly. You know, he talked about the first time when he faced Abraham and he, you know, he chinned him in the air to um to mid off and you know scored hundred in the next innings and said, Yeah, like I, I never really hit leg spinners like that. I don't know what I was doing, and then just corrected it. And yeah. scored hundred and then yeah. did it again. Like it's absurd. It, and, and and I suppose that in its own way shows a, a bit of maturity there because to be able to look at a fault and think, actually I could yeah, I can sort that. Rather than being, you know, we assume all, all batters generally are like, right, cancel out the noise. It's just a freak occurrence. You know, these things happen. We go, you know, we'll go again tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new day, this, that, and the other. And he was like, no, I messed up there. No, yeah, yeah, I messed up there. I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to call my coach at home. I'm going to chat with him. Maybe I was a bit arrogant. He said that. He said maybe he was a bit arrogant. And then, <laughs> I mean, I'd be arrogant if I batted like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's also got a very good Yorkshire sort of line in deadpan. Um, he's an interesting one, his development, because I think a bit, I mean, a bit like Ray and Ahmed coming out of the under-19s, four or five years ago, uh, there was talk about um, this kid, Harry Brook, and it took a couple of seasons in in kind of first-class cricket with Yorkshire where he didn't he didn't really pull up trees. And it's, it seems to me, anyway, the, the, the white ball stuff is what has freed him up because I think the season before last, he had a great blast and he got involved with the 100. Uh, and then obviously he had a, a kind of unstoppable championship summer. Um, but uh, that that's, that's, I mean, Ray and Ahmed will undoubtedly have his his knocks and, uh, and, and, and opportunities to bounce back. But um, he's he's a little bit older, Brooke, and and he has worked through his game, uh, you know, quite extensively. It sounds like Vish. Uh, yeah, he has. It's interesting you mentioned that under nineteen cohort. That was um, twenty eighteen, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. uh, because you know he he, um, he was the captain, wasn't he, in, uh, on that World Cup? Well, he, he was captain. And I don't know if you remember, but you know he got dropped, didn't he, for um, you for know, the final that, game, the last game. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, missing but, a curfew or something. Yes, yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, we don't need to fill in the gaps on that. But, <laughs> but there was um, there was a sense from the ECB that not just he was the one, but of a of a field they didn't think was had a particular showstopper that that he was it. And there was a little bit of a. I remember talking to a few people at the time. It wasn't so much a worry, but there was a little bit of thinking that. Do we think he's the best of them by a long way because of who he's around, or is he is he as good as we think he is? Um, and yeah, evidently they probably undersold it a bit. But <laughs> yeah, his. I'm going to mention the high performance review because it's come up a few times on here. Um, someone like him, obviously an established county like Yorkshire. Someone like Rehan Ahmed coming through at Leicestershire. Is there a, and I'm throwing this to both of you, because I don't really know, I've been swinging this around in my head for about a week or so, but is there is there a sense that actually the problem was up top rather than at the bottom? Yeah, yeah, I think, I genuinely, I think there is. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of what's going on in all of this, and again, I'm coming back to basketball and, and, and everything that is going on with, with what's happening in this England team. It almost feels as though the players have had to take control of their own situation because of the lack of guidance when it comes to structure, when it comes to schedules, when it comes to you know endlessly being on the treadmill, they have had to find a way to survive the inevitable grind that comes with being international cricketers in this day and age. And I suppose the one, the one, you know, obviously as, as a great basketball cheerleader, I'm, I, 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 I struggle to find any reason to doubt the wisdom of it. But the one thing I do wonder is, is this a little bit becoming a little bit of a, the team starting to play by themselves to a, to a degree because they, they're kind of running out of running out of challenges beyond their own dressing room. By, by that, I mean, you know, the, 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 sh the sheer need to just to mix it up and, and, and find new ways to, to create jeopardy in games. I mean, if it wasn't for 
the declaration that we're all pinned, that would have been a dull draw. If they hadn't auto completed their innings at Multan, they could have steamrolled Pakistan. Hmm. Um, and we saw a couple of summers ago that white ball series against Sri Lanka, which was just dismal. I mean, we've probably forgotten it already. It was it was rainy and awful, and it was just it was like, why are we even here? It's such a bad series. On and then everyone got COVID at the end of it. And then everyone got COVID and all changed. But, but you know, it, it, <clears throat> we are in this weird tipping point of, of, of what is becoming of international cricket. It, is, it, is it a case of, you know, England were clearly underperforming in international cricket and that was self-evidently the fault of the administrators rather than the players because they're clearly quite good. Um, but in, in under, underperforming globally, was that, was that just a manifestation of the fact that international cricket is underperforming it's not the, it's not the competitive beast that it used to be there are too many white ball tournaments springing up uh, which are great if if you're into that sort of thing but in the me- in the meantime those of us who like the idea of country v country are slightly scouting around looking for looking for actual competition here because you know we had that dismal ashes only last year which was probably the worst thing i've ever watched in my life uh, <laughs> totally un- totally uncompetitive and now this has been brilliant, but actually it's been a 3-0. I think they've won 9 out of 10 uh, in fascinating fashion. But has it been as competitive as, as it is? And, and as I said at the top, is this actually a, a model that other teams are privileged enough to be able to replicate? You know, you, you can't imagine many oppositions have the depth or the, or the strength of the strength of, of the of the contracts involved to allow the freedom mm. players just just to just to take 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 the liberty a little bit with the way they play um you know there's a little bit more on it for for teams that don't have quite so little on it you see what i mean see so it sounds like you're saying baseball is both saving uh test cricket and possibly also killing it at the same time well um, this, this is the curious thing isn't <laughs> the, it? it's like where, where's the schrodinger's balance? uh schrodinger's yeah. bad where's the balance I don't know. Just putting it out there, I, 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 I have absolutely no qualms whatsoever that this is the right thing for England and the right thing for the short term. But it, as we said at the top, if, how do other teams respond to this? That, that, that I, I would love to see other teams capable of playing in this style. But I do wonder if every team will, if, well, you know, India and Australia are pretty confident won't have, won't have problems with stepping up to the basketball plate. But will the other Test nations be quite so? capable of of um of meeting such fire with with the necessary fire well uh i i'd say i don't want to mention the ashes but there obviously uh is one on the horizon uh and i think bernard mccullum was asked about it at the end of this game ben stokes um said he had a few thoughts <clears throat> australia i think have been talking about ron ball um vish which um uh, maybe you can enlighten us but uh i, I mean th- th- there will be um, uh, you would think, hope that the teams that are willing to take on um, Ben and Baz, uh, either a, a, on their own terms or or in a completely different way, because obviously sport and, and the evolution of sport and, and sort of systems that react against each other will at some stage throw up um, an antidote, you'd think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I suppose it's not quite an antidote, maybe, but it's, you know, it would be a roadblock. and if this team crash and total the car driving, <laughs> you know, breakneck speeds into this roadblock, they probably don't care. <laughs> you know, it, it's so, it's so hard to gauge, you know, um, the, 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 the fundamental concept of uh, one nation trying to beat another is, is going to be broken down because England don't care about losing anymore. <laughs> but, the, but the Australia, like funnily enough, like as someone who, despises um, premature talk about an Ashes. Um, <laughs> that is the only series on the horizon where England have a chance to blink or England will be mm. made to blink in some way. Little things like, oh, we don't draw. Okay, well, what if you're winning and it's a series decider in, in an Ashes? You'd probably be willing to draw then. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, like losing to Australia carries a different way with all due respect to Pakistan given the nature of how test cricket is consumed in the UK given you know what you need to have in terms of subscription and I suppose money in that regard to watch test cricket in the UK if England had been pumped in that first test of this series people just would have switched off they would have stuck on the World Cup and and been fine with it and this would have been you know they would have slipped back into the country no fanfare at all who knows Ben Stokes might still have been 
on the sports personality of the year list, but you know, wouldn't be close to the podium that I suppose he is now. Um, but Australia is the one that elicits a different response in the players as well. And, you know, as much as they can say to us that, you know, let's just enjoy this now, they will be thinking ahead to that because there's a pretty nothing series in New Zealand to come, just two tests. There's the one-off Ireland test at Lords, And then there's the biggest series of them all at a time when England are on their last legs with a certain generation of player like like Joe Root, like to a point Johnny Best, they're just given the age profile. Um, like someone like Mark Wood, um, you know, James Anderson, Stuart Broad. It's gonna be a big deal and it's gonna weigh heavy on them. And well, they've if got they at least away... two or three more ashes in them, those yeah, two. Probably, yeah. <laughs> but but if, but if they if they can take away the pressure, then brilliant. But I don't really think that's doable because I think a lot of the atmosphere around it, a lot of the talk going into it even if it's not from them directly, will be around, this is the best shot England have had for a long, long time. Should they have won in 2019? Don't know. They weren't very good, but, <laughs> you know, that was a, in English conditions with English bowlers. You'd always fancy it. They just happen to have a, one of the best attacks of all time. But, yeah, it is. this is the opportunity for that, or rather <clears> that, <throat> the Ashes, is the opportunity to actually see... Not, not actually see what this team is made of, but see how robust it is. Because if it gets through that, even if it is at home, if it gets through that convincingly, then, I mean, finally, we might get, we might stop getting that, oh, but what about them? Or what about in this series? What about in this series? At least until India <laughs> in the following yeah. Well, indeed, yeah. not, unfortunately, we're not going to India or, or, or Australia in the, in, the, in the very near future. Those are the two real acid tests for basketball, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I don't see this team blinking for that series. I, I do accept your point that, that it, is, it is the acid test, but it's been so successful so quickly and with such, such manifest joy within the camp that there's why on earth would they change a thing? They will, they will go out there and, and do their thing and score at six and over and, and hang it. If, if they lose one, they will come get back on the horse and go again because I just don't see... And they did that against South Africa last summer, didn't they? I just don't see why they would throw everything out the window um, for one bad day. It's like, like the 2005 Ashes all over again. You know, it, it's uh, you know that one bad day at Lords in the first test of the series. Everyone else panicked. The team didn't. They doubled down on 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 the way they had planned to play that series. Scored 400 in the first day of and the rest is history. I, I just don't see this group of players getting to that moment of the summer and thinking, you know what? Everything we've done right for so long. Shall we change it now? No, it's not, that's not going to happen. I don't think, but I don't <clears> think they're going to change it. I just think they'll be challenged in different ways. Even little things like there's been no niggle in, in any of this, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dean Elgar said a couple of things and, you know, people were South Africa actually probably ruined their own mind games by talking about how they didn't care about basketball all the time, which they did care about basketball. Um, but Australia, it'll be it'll be little things. It'll be more comments on the field. It will be, you know, it'll be niggles in the media, like calculated niggles in the media. It's 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 what they they do best. It's what the media beasts, you know, thrives on, and it's going to go into overdrive because of that. And I, I just think that would be a real test of everything, really, because I think I think it's more noticeable in the last couple of months. I suppose how much they consume generally. I think, you know, they not necessarily like what we write, but they're, they're very aware of like media perceptions and, and things like that. They're very aware of, you know, the, where the, the way the wind's blowing and it's great when it's a nice cooling breeze, but, you know, obviously being in England, they'll be insulated from a lot of the heat that you generally get in an Australian Asher series. But I, I just think it will test a few of them. And I, I think it will really challenge the individuals rather than the collective. Can, can you can you recreate for me, Vish, the, the sigh that Brendan McCullum gave Ali Martin in the press conference just now when, <laughs> when he asked this very question about the Ashes, mate? It, it wasn't really a sigh. It was a roll of the eyes. It was a, a, a pat on the arm because he accepted that it did need to be asked. Um, and it, it was actually asked in a very very authentic way. It, it wasn't quite like, oh, right, we're going to stick it to the Aussies now. But he did, maybe it takes a Kiwi to be like, God, your obsession with the Aussies. When a Kiwi is judging us for our obsession with the Aussies, we know we've probably um, had a bit of a misstep there. But 
No, but I mean, he he did he did see that they were thinking of a few things. Um, you know, it is only three tests away now. Um, it is. when you put it like that, we should be talking about this every week. <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm right. My preview is very ashes ashes focused. Actually, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, but they they have been paying attention to the Rumble stuff. They have you know the clips of Steve Smith shouting basketball when he hits a drive. Like this is all going. You know, they might be wearing it quite well, but this is all going into a little file. This is all going into a file. This is all being um, saved for later. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> we just the, fast forward it to WhatsApp now. This is all we want to talk alive. about, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, on uh, uh, Miller, just on McCullum, uh, he uh, he mentioned in his, uh, I think, on Sky post match. Um, well, he described himself as doing bugger all. He he gave a lot of praise to. Uh, ben Stokes. I mean, he seems to be cultivating here almost a, a re- reputation as being more hands off than Trevor Bayliss. Uh, but and, and presumably, there's a little bit uh, a secret ingredient that we are not entirely privy to. But um, I mean, certainly can't argue with the chemistry that those two have, um, which is maybe the most important thing, uh, and the fact they've won nine tests out of ten now from a team with a, from a team that had won one out of seventeen before. Well, exactly. I mean, you, you, the proofs of the pudding, and uh, and Stuart Broad actually, obviously, he'd been on on Sky uh, Sky's sofa throughout the series, and uh, yeah, he put it incredibly well. Um, he sort of said that you'll never see him give throwdowns, and you know, he's, he's not he's not a hands-on technical coach, but what he will he'll do the rounds during every every net session and every every social and all the rest of it, just go around and just check in, just just talk to his players, say how are you feeling, where. Where's your mind? Where, how, how, how are you re- reacting to what's gone and how are you preparing for what's coming? It's like he's, he's, he's across every aspect of the, of the psychological side of, of what England are, are trying to achieve with, it, with this, with this um, sort of carefree style. And so absolutely crucial, you know, that's the thing about a good coach. I mean, Trevor Bayliss was, was, was great for, for that team when Owen Morgan's calling the shots. Obviously, that, you know, Joe Root and, uh, and, as a cook were his sidekicks too, but fundamentally he was the white ball coach and he gelled perfectly with Morgan because Morgan was the hands-on leader of that of that side and 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 Trevor Bayliss was the yucca plant. But it, you know every, every every team needs needs a coach that that that, that balances or, or complements um, what the what the captain can offer. You know NASA had uh, Duncan Fletcher; those two worked so well together, as did Bourne and Duncan Fletcher later on because Fletcher was just this quiet technical guy in the background who could who could cover off the areas that they didn't have expertise in and then crucially would front up on the days when it went wrong I mean this is the one thing that I think everyone was complaining about last summer about Brendan McCullum we never saw it you know occasionally pop up on on New Zealand radio and uh, and, and 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 talk through the latest win among, among his mates back there but he was very rarely fronting up to the English media but I mean why would he England were winning it wasn't his job to take the take the praise. He, he he knew that by speaking, all he would do was deflect from what his actual players were doing. So he didn't, and he you've got to respect that in hindsight. And uh, you know he <coughs> he he has fronted up. He will continue to front up, and will continue to be a vital sidekick. But you know, coming back to the whole the whole ethos, the the very fact that that it works is that he and Stokes gelled and we saw them gelling even when they were opponents back in 2015 and it, it's inevitable that their styles were going to complement and uh, long may it last it's, it's a really really encouraging uh, marriage for, for English cricket Indeed um, there's quite a lot of other things we could still go into uh, I'll perhaps just skim over uh, a very good series of Ben Duckett um, tips beforehand by Vish. We'll give him props for that. Uh, average 71.4, hit the winning runs in Karachi. Um, ben Folks had a good test back in, um, having having missed the first two. He made 64 pretty important innings um, when Ingham were wobbling a little bit after Harry Brook did something less than perfect in running out his captain. Um, Jack Leach, he's the, the leading... Test wicket taker in the world for 2022. Um, I mean, his figures under Ben Stokes' his captaincy aren't all that impressive, I should say. 31 wickets at 40.29. But it's much more about the character than the numbers uh, I think you've written during this tour. I think two things that stand out for me beyond the obvious headline, which is the batting and the, the nonsense of 
every single player in the in the in the top thirteen have, uh, having a strike rate above eighty eight. It's just uh, it's just preposterous. Um, but the, the thing that thing that won this series and the thing that has won everything that England have, have, have won so far is the bowling. And you know, taking twenty wickets. And the and the thing that I suppose stands out two things is that one England seamers didn't take a single slip catch in the entire three test series, and yet England won three 0 which is absolutely astonishing. From, from but that that speaks so much about the tactical um, awareness and nous and, and and dexterity that, that Stokes was able to bring to his you know on the hoof fielding changes and you know what you're saying about Ollie Robinson just bowl your line I'll. I'll put the men in the places that need to be to, to take the ball as it arrives. So that was one thing. But the other thing was the sheer variety of ways in which England scanned their cat, skinned their cats. It was, you know, in the first test, we got the, the, the job a day part-time spin of Will Jacks looping it up and taking six wickets, followed by outstanding reverse swing bowling in the second innings to break through on a dead deck. Then you've got Jack Leach doing his bit, and then Mark Wood comes piling in with, with express pace to break open the second test. And then the third test is over to the, the leg spin of Ryan Ahmed with a bit of bit of leech in the first innings as well. It's a, uh, you know, the, the three, four, five maybe very very different ways to skin Pakistan teams, and not one of them is traditional seam up from English bowl, English um, traditional bowlers. Um, and when you bear in mind that England went into that first test, in particular without Mark Wood, without either a leg spinner or a ninety mile an hour pace bowler, the two things that. Um, basically thought to be sacrosanct when you go to um, overseas Asian conditions, um, that makes it even more remarkable that, uh, that England weren't just able to come out on top, but come out so emphatically on top. Yeah, a uh, definite testament to Stokes' captaincy there. And I think, uh, yeah, we have all been uh, pleasantly surprised in, uh, and we'll be talking more about um what uh, well i mean we, the inspirational side of it uh, comes as as standard but yeah the the um, ingenuity as well uh, in the field and, and with uh, marshalling his resources um i know and, and well i think we all know that ben stokes is going to be one of those um, people on the ipl uh block this week as well so um no shortage of interest there uh rayhan ahmed has been tipped by brendan mccullum joe roots in the auction um so that's coming up this week. There's, uh, we, we, I don't think we'll go into it. We we touched on it last time, but the England women have been in the Caribbean and are still in the Caribbean and are still winning all their games in the Caribbean. Four um, 0 up in the T20Is with one to play. Um, there's lots of cricket as always going on uh, elsewhere around the world. There's uh, South Africa uh, in Australia. Uh, Pakistan are about to play New Zealand next. Uh, India are playing Bangladesh. Yeah, plenty going on, but I think we've probably all said our piece for today. Um, England's fortunes have come full circle since the Boxing Day test last year, which must mean it's time to start building up to the ashes again. Maybe worth asking for some earplugs from Santa. Uh, for now, my thanks to Miller and Vish and to you all for tuning in. Merry Christmas from us all at ESPN Quick Info. We'll be back for more in 2023. Bye.